0: Good morning. It's 830 on Friday, February 26th I'm Desiree Frazier and for Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, residents of the capital city continue to face water outages following last week's winter storm. Then a Mississippi agency assigned to distribute millions in federal pandemic relief funds is under pressure to get the program going or risk losing the money. Plus, the Mississippi Economic Council responds to the House's fast track tax plan. That's all coming up on Mississippi Edition right here on MPB Think Radio. The Mississippi National Guard has stationed tanker trunks outside several Jackson schools distributing non-potable or potable water for residents in need. Parts of the city have not had running water for more than a week following last week's severe winter storm. The Guard has partnered with the City of Jackson and the Emergency Management Agency to supply the water through several large tanker trucks. Colonel Bobby Jen is in charge of logistics. He shares more on the response with our Kobe Vance.
2: We have a state emergency duty package uh, that, that MEMA uh, uh, and, and all of the state agencies have uh, the visibility of, our capability when it comes to state emergency duty. That's water tankers, non-potable, that's generators, uh, and that's fuel tankers. So when, when we got the call to, to deploy the non-potable water tankers out of Camp Shelby, that package is, is, is ready to go at all times.
5: As, are y'all helping support any other cities across the state? Uh, as There's a few other cities that have uh, some water issues, maybe not to the same extent as Jackson. Right.
2: The, on, the only uh, city that we're supporting with non-potable water right now is the Jackson area uh, right now.
5: And how many gallons are y'all helping bring into the city?
2: So each one of these tankers uh, uh, holds 5,000 gallons. So we brought 20,000 gallons with us, uh, and we will... We will top those off as need be as as we go through the water uh we'll we'll come here and and top them back off and then spot and uh distribute more water
5: now as i'm standing here i'm seeing a few cars come through how many uh, people do y'all expect to see come through and uh, help get them some some water to help uh, to use in their homes in their shower in their tubs and their uh, toilets I,
2: i i would i would expect that each one of these tankers by the end of the day would be uh uh close to being empty so as we get in that battle rhythm um, our battle rhythm would be uh, at the end of the day at six o'clock in the evening when we leave this site we go top them off we stage them and then we bring them back here uh, uh, in the morning at at nine o'clock in the morning. Now if that consumption rate is higher than that then we will adjust our battle rhythm to to how we uh can better serve and better distribute water to the to the citizens here in the jackson area
5: you mentioned earlier that this was just one of the trucks that was ready to go are there other trucks that could be prepared in the
2: coming days we, we've got we've got four non-potable uh, water tankers in our state emergency duty package and that's what was requested um and 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 that's what we have had ready to go um uh, of course as this this uh this mission carries on continues on uh if 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 we need more uh then we will go back and look at look and see where some of our other assets may be located uh within our organization
5: now what are, can you talk on the significance of mississippians helping mississippians uh, as the national as they as troops of the national guard It's
2: it's 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 what it's all about i mean we're uh, when, when, you know, we're we asked to to do the federal mission to, to, to go across the pond, if you will, uh, but 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 it's a little bit different when you're supporting your home state. You're supporting uh, people that you you grew up with, people that you you know from from Sunday school classes to, to, to whatever. I mean, it's, it's 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 more of a family aspect, if you will.
0: Colonel Bobby Jen with the Mississippi National Guard. Jackson resident Carol Green was one of many in line to fill containers of water yesterday. She said the week of no water has brought discontent among residents.
4: It is real frustrating not to have, you know, the essentials that you need to wash dishes, to cook, to bathe. It's very frustrating. It makes you want to do something. But hey, we know we can't do nothing about it.
5: Does that, does that contribute to the
4: frustrations, to feel like you're just trapped? Right, right, right. You know, like I say, um, certain people have water, and there are others. And, I mean, their water has not been been uh, tampered with at all. They have had water ever since the freeze. But there are certain ones of us that haven't had any.
5: So y'all haven't had any water in your home? Uh, when, when did it get cut off?
4: Tuesday? uh huh. It was Tuesday. So
5: it's been over a week. Over a week.
4: They turned it on for a little while yesterday, and then they turned it off. Okay, that was time enough for everybody to get a bath. But after that, you can't go use the bathroom. You can't use the
5: bathroom. Now, this supplies like what you're getting here today, does that help at all?
4: Yes, this is going to be a big help. We'll be able to flush. We'll be able to wash dishes.
5: But is that enough? You no.
4: Know, it's not enough. We don't, have, we don't have the containers to get enough water. You know, hey, I feel, I'm a senior, so I feel sorry for other senior citizens myself. You know, especially those that are unable to get out. They can't um, get what they need. And I feel like they should have people to go to their houses and make sure that they are okay, that they have what they need. That's my opinion. Public,
0: Public works officials estimate outages are impacting half of the city and the system may not be restored until sometime this weekend. In the meantime, residents like Estelle Green are relying on the water provided by the National Guard tankers. He says the situation is the worst he's seen in over 50 years.
5: I've been out of water for seven days. Seven days? That's, that's a long time to go without water. What, uh, well,
6: that's how long it's been. What,
5: what, is, what does that feel like? Uh,
6: it's real terrible. You can't take a bath. You can't can't get hard to hardly do nothing. Had to heat water, wash the dishes if you cook.
5: I know some people have some running water. So it's a very we low pressure. We don't have none. I ain't had none in seven days. Nothing. So, uh, what have y'all been Only doing from to? getting it from these trucks. So, so does that? You know, is that? Do you think that's enough, or do you? What well, would you like to see
6: I mean, I, I ain't talking about nobody. I ain't trying to lay the blame on nobody.
5: But this is what as I see it. Since I've been staying down here in 57 years, um, what does this feel like for somebody? You know, you've been. You said you lived here for 57 years. This um, is
6: worse as I ever see this city.
5: Uh, what, does it, what does this feel like to have your community not have water like this? It's terrible. And is, it, is it just yourself or do you, do you no, have neighbors? No, it's everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are your neighbors? A,
6: ain't nobody in South Jackson got no water. Not over by me anyway. I've been staying down here 57 years and I've never seen this city in the shape it's in. Streaks
5: and nothing else. Does that hurt to see the city? Uh, yes, uh, like it this? hurts
0: national guard tankers will be distributing water again today and the city will be distributing bottles of drinking water while supplies last coming up a mississippi agency assigned to distribute millions in federal pandemic relief funds is under pressure to get the program going or risk losing the money
1: it's the first of its kind a virtual StoryCorps mobile tour For years, StoryCorps brought loved ones face-to-face for interviews about the things that matter most. Now, StoryCorps is bringing people together in a whole new way. Record an interview remotely and make it a part of American history at the Library of Congress. Appointments now open at StoryCorps.org. StoryCorps is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.
0: I'm Desiree Frazier. A Mississippi agency assigned to distribute millions in federal pandemic relief funds is under pressure to get the program going or risk losing the money. Mississippi Home Corporation says it has a waiting list of more than 3,000 people seeking emergency rental assistance. Executive Director Scott Spivey tells the Senate Housing Committee the agency has $186 million in pandemic relief funds for the program, but a narrow time frame in which to distribute that money
1: 80 so uh 80 percent of it has to be out um by september 30th so that ends up being about 120 million so that ends up being slightly more achievable goal um we're already actually asking the treasury to extend that deadline um That, you know, our experience in emergency mortgage relief, our experience with other housing programs that we've administered over the years, uh, tells me that, you know, even though this is going to be an unprecedented effort and rollout and outreach, you know, on a scale that we've never attempted, that's still going to be a very difficult deadline to make. And we're not the only one. Um, Every single state that I, and I've talked to all of them, have the exact same concern uh and so nationally we are speaking with one voice and i understand you know and and the motivation for the deadline was get it out there and help people don't drag your feet this isn't something that needs 24 months before you roll it out people need help people are you know the 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 debt burden is rising and people need it absolutely i understand that and that's you know and that's a good motivator hopefully they will give us some mercy on that deadline because it is a gargantuan task
0: distribution of the funds must follow guidelines established by the u.s treasury department but spivey says that mhc doesn't want to create any undue complications for applicants
1: we do not want to add any burden for documentation or requirement that is not required by the treasury we want, to do, we, we want to be good stewards of the money, and we want to use it uh, at its best and highest use, but we don't want to make it more complicated. We want to keep it as, as streamlined as possible. The biggest impediment to speed here is going to be income. And our experience with mortgage uh, assistance, our experience with lending, our experience with grant administration that has income limits on it, that is where you get bogged down is documentation of income, and we had really hoped that Treasury would allow self attestation of income and then check on the back end. But they want proof of income early because the the way the law was written, you're eligible if you're at or below eighty percent. But we have we we've, we've been we're mandated to prioritize fifty percent or below. Right, so, and and that's one of the things that we're having to try to figure out. Prioritize is a really easy word to write, but it's a really hard word to implement. You know, does that mean you take 75% of the caseworkers and put them on 50% AMI applications and 25% are on the 50 to 80? Or, you know, how do you, you know, two over here for every one over here? Like, we have to be we're we're going to have to be able to demonstrate on the back end how we did that. Um, And that's where, you know, it's gonna slow down a little bit. But we're up to the challenge.
0: Spivey says the funds are left over from another emergency assistance program, so they have to develop the plan quickly. The fund will provide 15 months of rent to landlords and tenants. Spivey tells Senator Albert Butler, utility services under the purview of the Public Service Commission are also eligible.
1: The DRA program is only authorized to pay rent and it's authorized to pay utilities, and the only utilities that are qualified are those that are under the public service commission. So, you know, water, sewer, gas, power uh, are the are the three that, that qualify. Um, no assistance that I know of, as far as foreclosure relief or any other financial instruments, people may
4: have used. Do you know of any other agency that's out there that uh, help in foreclosure situations? Uh, for individuals
1: that has been uh, misused by the system? I don't. I do know uh, in conversations we've had with uh, our national agency, the National, Assist, uh, national Council of State Housing Agencies, that mortgage assistance is being considered in the next stimulus package. Mm-hmm. Um, they're using the hardest-hit fund as the basis for that, and that would be mortgage assistance to prevent foreclosure.
0: Eligibility for rental assistance is based on income guidelines set by HUD. Spivey says the website to apply will be launched by the end of March. Coming up, the Mississippi Economic Council responds to the House's fast-track tax plan. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
1: Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app.
0: This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. A tax overhaul championed by House Republicans has not yet received the endorsement of the Mississippi Economic Council. The Mississippi Tax Freedom Act was introduced and passed in the House earlier this week. The tax reform bill would, among other things, phase out the state income tax, reduce the grocery tax, and raise the sales tax. But Scott Waller, president and CEO of MEC, tells our Michael Gidry the council has to determine the potential impact of the plan.
6: There had been conversations about that we wanted to take a look at it and, and, and to make sure that we had... I guess what you would say is a tax structure that promotes job growth, and capital investment, and uh, we knew that it was a priority for uh, you know uh, several of our our leaders at the legislative level, and and, and even you know even our governor has mentioned the, the fact that there's some things he would like to see happen with our tax code. Um, so we we knew that there was discussions about this. We knew that there was things that were taking place. We also knew that they were. We're kind of working on a proposal. We we just had, uh, you know, what we we didn't what we didn't know is what it was and when it was coming until it was actually introduced. It, it, it's it's not a surprise that our legislative leaders have been working on this. I think it was just that we didn't know, you know, we just didn't know the details of it until the bill was uh, was actually introduced, and we now have to look at that and say what is what is the impact of
3: it's available now. Anyone can access it, and, and you and I, I assume the economic council will take a hard look at it, like you've said. My question is, what what do you look for? How do you how do you break down something as complex? I mean, it's reportedly 380 pages long when printed out. How do you begin looking at that, and what what do you look for to kind of assess if this well, is good for Mississippi's economic growth?
6: Well, it, it, it's really just a comparison. I mean, I think what. As we look at the details, what we do is we take a look at, okay, what are what are our competing stakes charging in terms of sales tax, and particularly the business side of things, the inputs that are being taxed on businesses, whether it be manufacturing, whether it be agriculture or some of the other you know, the equipment purchases and things of that nature. What what are our competing states charging in, in those areas? Because if this puts us out of line, then that's going to make it very difficult to To compete and if it and so we just got to make sure whatever is done doesn't throw us out of line with what our competing states are doing or that's really going to have a a negative impact on on economic development so that that's kind of how the process works I mean MEC has always been an organization that is focused on having sound research in making decisions on its policy positions and right now we have to do that work, we have to go in, we have to see what it does, we have to look at it very carefully. And then that way we can say without question, if if, if if we do X, Y is going to happen. Or if we do Z, A is going to happen. And that, that way we, we will be able to have a more, I guess, detailed look at at the impact of this. And as I said earlier, you mentioned the size of the report, of the size of the bill. This is one of those things. It's going to take a little while to do, but we're in the process of doing that, and hope to to finish it as soon as possible so we can really have a a very good analysis of what the impact of this is going to be.
3: Is it important when assessing a piece of tax legislation like that to for it to at least present or or promise some type of uh, revenue or being be revenue neutral or is it one of those things where the state can look at it not being revenue neutral in the immediate future but the benefits of reduced you know taxes and and, and the allure of of attracting businesses it's something that you can make up for
6: well i think I think really and truly that, that's that's going to be a it's gonna have to be a case by case basis or something like that um you know it just a lot of it depends on how how much – what is the change doing to the general fund? What is what is it going to mean for future growth? I mean, all those things have to be taken into consideration uh, to make that determination. So to have – again, I, if it were as simple as having a, a set formula for everything that we did, uh, this would be – this wouldn't be nearly as hard as what it, it becomes. So I think it just – you have to take it on a case-by-case case basis, and, and just like with this legislation – we almost have to take it on a sec- section by section basis to look at the details and figure out okay what is what is the impact here, you know what is it going to mean uh, for the budget, what is it going to mean for our businesses, what is going to mean for everybody, so that we can have an understanding of it as we go. So that that's really kind of where we've where we see it again. You know, no two no two pieces of legislation are the same, so you really have to look at the individual pieces of both legislation. That legislation make that type of termination.
3: So, and the last thing I wanted to to ask you, Mr. Waller, we're nearing the the one year anniversary of the first reported case of COVID nineteen in Mississippi. We know what the initial phases of the pandemic did to parts of the, the the state's economy. We're now nearing the end of the third quarter of the state's fiscal year. Uh, how how are things looking as we reach that that one year mark economically?
6: Well, as as I understand it, and again, I, I, I will I will I will make sure that I classify. I'm I'm not an economist, but I think that in reality, you know, it, it, that first the, the first few months after COVID were, were very devastating. Um, but I think what we've seen is we've seen our economy come back fairly strong, and in, in some cases, I think we've even exceeded expectations on where we would be at this point. But you know, we still have a long way to go. I feel good. I think our, our economy is, 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 is again exceeded expectations in some cases, but but I'll be honest with you. I mean, there's still a lot of a lot of businesses out there. That, particularly small businesses. small businesses are the ones that were most impacted. And in, in a state like Mississippi, we have a lot of small businesses, and um, you know, that that's a big driver in our economy. And, and those businesses are hurt has an impact, uh, not only on not only on jobs, but on you know the ability to, to to propel and drive the economy. So, all those things are are part of what has happened, and we just kind of have to you know have, kind of have to see where all this plays out. But you know, right now things are things are looking positive, but we just got we can't we can't let our guard
3: down. Yes, sir. Well, Mr. Scott Waller, President and CEO of the Mississippi Economic Council, we thank you for your time and your perspective, sir. Thank you so much.
0: Bye-bye. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning.